one here this evening. Let's all stand. I'm excited because God's here and He's got something special in store for us. Amen. He always does. Every service we gather together in His name, He has something awesome in store for us. Amen. I come to every service expecting great things because we serve a great God. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray for our service this evening. Uh, let's also remember Kirsten, uh, Sister Barb's um, friend, I think, is friend. Okay, not related to her. Okay. Um, we've been praying for her. Uh, she's in the hospital again at present. They're sticking all kinds of tubes into her. Um, she needs she needs prayer. Amen. Uh, so let's pray for her. Uh, and let's pray for our service. Amen. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you, for your so great salvation. I am so thankful, Lord Jesus, for the covenant promises you've given us concerning prayer. Whatever it is we have need of tonight, we can find it met in you. It is your desire to meet all of our legitimate needs. It is your desire to bless us abundantly. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would seek your face this evening that we would receive all that You have for us here tonight, that Your great and mighty name would be glorified, that You would walk up and down the aisles, that You would enter into the rooms wherein uh, those who are watching online are present, and that You would work, and that You would move, and that You would speak, and that You would act according to Your perfect will, that You would do so supernaturally, that You would do so miraculously, that You would manifest Your presence in each heart, in each life. And these things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. And we'll give you all the glory and we'll give you all the honor. We do worship and we do praise the Almighty this evening. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for your so great salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have for us here this evening. We will receive it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for standing this evening. You can be seated. <clears throat> Amen. We're going to start our formal uh, lesson, our formal uh, deep dive into this idea of becoming, starting tonight. But first, before we actually do that, we need to get an understanding of something. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 says this, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, I, I want to read this also in the NASB version, uh, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. In that translation, it says it this way, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted, in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Amen. So, in whatever version you, you choose, the message is the same. We are to leave off our old nature and put on a new nature, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And that's the idea of transformation. That's the idea of becoming. Okay, fantastic. Great. Got it. However, 
What does that mean exactly? Become what? Some might be asking, that sounds awesome, but I have no idea where, where you're taking us. I don't have a clue as to what exactly that means. General idea, uh, but, but what, what does that look like? How, how am I going to know when we get there? If we can ever get there? How am I going to know if I'm making any progress toward this? What does it mean to be Christ-like? Well, that's a great question. That's a, that's a great thing I think that we should understand. Because if we, if we don't understand where God is taking us, the awesomeness that that concept entails of, of being Christ-like, of being like Jesus, if we don't understand the, the, the totality of what that is, it, it's going to be hard to stay excited about this process. It's going to be really difficult to stay motivated uh, when things get difficult, when things seem to stall out. And so I want us to have a real good understanding tonight of what exactly that means, what that looks like in an individual to be Christ-like, to reflect accurately His image to this world. It's hard to get excited about a process if we have no idea where that process will take us. We've said it before, and it's true. The end result, the ultimate goal for every person is to look like Him, to be Christ-like. The ultimate goal isn't to give the most tithes and offering. The ultimate goal isn't to win the most people to Him, although that's, those are great things in and of themselves. But those aren't the end goal. The end goal is for Jesus to transform me into where I started, into who He is. That I reflect Him. That I start acting like Him, thinking like Him, speaking like Him. In every aspect of my life. Okay, well, Christ-likeness. Alright, fine. So, let's take a look at Jesus then. Maybe that's a good place to start. I hope so, because that is where we're going to start tonight. <laughs> What did Jesus do during His earthly ministry? Well, one thing He did is He healed the sick. Isaiah 53 and 5 says, But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. He took stripes on His back for that reason. No other reason. It wasn't a coincidence that the guards did that. It wasn't just something that was going to happen either way. It happened for a reason. He purchased our healing. And that entails all kinds of things. Physical, emotional, mental, however you want to say it. He can heal all of them. He desires to heal all of them. And He desires to heal all of them in someone's life through you. Psalm 103, 2-3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Matthew 4 and 23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, and all manner of disease among the people. Matthew 8, 16 and 17 says, when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. 
I can't help but notice how these sentences are structured. Not some, not most, not a selection, all. Healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Esaias the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. I heard a message from Jeff Arnold on this verse right here, and he kept saying that over and over, and he says, because, because he did this, you don't have to. He wants to bear our sicknesses. He took our infirmities. So we don't have to. He bears everything for us. Everything for us. Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Every one of them. There's, there's that phraseology again. Luke 9.11 says, And the people, when they knew it, followed Him, and He received them, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, and healed them that had need of healing. So Jesus heals. He still heals today. This is biblical. This is scriptural. I don't care what we're seeing at present. I've said it before, and I will continue to say it. If my senses disagree with Scripture... Somehow my senses are wrong. I could say with equal fervor and vigor, it's not God's will to fill everyone with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You want to know how I know? Because not everyone that goes to the altar receives it. Therefore, I conclude, must not have been the will of God. Is that true? Well, it seems to be true concerning healing. Why is it true for healing? Just must not have been the will of God. I can't agree with that. I agree the person didn't receive a healing at, at present. I agree with that statement. But the why I have a problem with. If we look at Scripture, folks, not our experience, not what I believe is true, not what I heard someone else say is true, but when I look at Scripture, I have to conclude that it's the will of God to receive a healing. I have to conclude that. I understand what we're seeing. I'm not arguing that. But I'm saying it's wrong. I'm saying Scripture is true. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm going to be saying until Jesus takes me. God is true and every man is a liar. And if my emotions contradict Scripture, my emotions are wrong. If my vision contradicts Scripture, my vision is wrong. If anything I hear contradicts Scripture, that's wrong. Scripture is always right. It's always true. Amen. So God desires to heal people. Not just spiritually. 
Although that is the most important healing we can receive, by far. I agree with that. If, God, if, if I had to choose between one or the other, I take spiritual healing every day of the week. Let my body rot. But, we don't have to choose. God is offering both to us. Praise God. He's offering both to us. Amen. So it's God's desire to heal. He went around raising the dead. Before we get into this topic, let's start with Genesis 2 and 7. He is the author of life. Life exists because of Him. It can only exist because of Him. When the Spirit leaves the body, the body dies. There is a biochemical, I'm not going to get into the science of it, but there is a biochemical, a molecular, a cellular change as soon as death ensues. The amino acids change. It's incredible what happens in that process. But every aspect of the body understands when life leaves the body, it's left the body. And there is a physical difference. So God raises the dead. John 11:25 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Obviously, that, that uh, has a spiritual connotation to it, but also a physical. He resurrects us in newness of life spiritually. Thank God for that. But He can raise a body from the dead as well. Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 11, we read this account. And it came to pass the day after that He went into a city called Nain, and many of His disciples went with Him, and much people. Now when He came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of His mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And He came and touched the bier, and they... And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. Now remember what I said about the physical, the biochemical, the molecular, the, the, all of the, the enzymatic changes that take place within the physical body. All of that is reversed when life comes back into it. Man cannot do that. I don't care if you jump them with jumper cables, shoot pounds of adrenaline into them, beat on his chest. I don't care what you do. We cannot raise the dead. God can. Why? Because He is life. Whatever He touches is living. It, it, it comes to life. He's the author of it. He that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us, that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region round about. God raises people from the dead. John 5 and 21 says, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will up to and including His own body. John 10.18 says, No man taketh it from me, speaking of His life, but I lay it down of myself. 
I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You can't do that. I can't do that. And I don't care how full of the Holy Ghost you are. Once you're dead, you're dead. You're not going to be able to make a choice and come back to life all on your own. Only God can do that. Jesus was able to do that because He was God manifest in the flesh. Another scripture says, it was impossible that He should be holden of death. It's impossible that death should have power over Him because He's the God of life. Death has no power over Him. John 11.43, perhaps the most well-known aspect of this ministry. Then when He thus had spoken, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came out of the grave, walking. He had to be specific. That's absolutely right. Good thing He named him by name. So it's God's desire to raise people from the dead. How does He do that today? Through you. Through me. How does He heal people today? Through you. Through me. We are to be Christ-like. We are the body of Christ. When He was on the earth, He was the body of Christ. And God worked through Him signs and wonders and miracles. God worked through Him to preach the kingdom of heaven. But now we are the body of Christ. And we are to continue the same ministry Jesus had when He was on earth. The exact same ministry. Jesus cast out devils. Mark 9, 25-27 says, When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, inasmuch, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. Jesus has power over unclean spirits. He has power over Satan, over demons and devils, over principalities and powers. He has authority. He has power over every single one of them. He has power and authority over the, over the whole uh, structure, the whole infrastructure of the forces of Satan. The kingdom of darkness. Matthew 8.16 says, When even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. We've read this before. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. As I was assembling these passages of Scripture for these various subtopics, I had to notice that there's a lot of overlap here in these Scriptures. I can't seem to single too many out where he just healed the sick or where he just raised the dead or where he just preached the Gospel. A lot of them seem to be lumped up in the same verse. Interesting. Matthew 8, 28-32 says, When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesens, maybe, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. 
Behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? There's at least one good message in there. And there was a good way off from them, and heard of, of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. They already knew what was coming. They knew he had the authority, the power to do it. I mean, there was no fight in these, these devils. As soon as they saw Jesus, they'd already given up. They besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. He said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. Behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. All right. Luke eleven fourteen. He was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass. When the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. Matthew twelve twenty two says, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Luke 8, 2 says, A certain woman, which, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Folks, don't believe for one second that this isn't valid today. There are most certainly demons and devils out there today. You can laugh, you can scoff, <laughs> but it's true. It's biblical, it's scriptural, laugh all you want. I couldn't care less. It's in the book. It happens today. And we have power and we have authority over them. God still casts out demons and devils today. Why? Because demons and devils are still active today. They still possess people today. They still oppress people today. And so there needs to be some agency in this world that has power and authority to combat them. Guess who that is? That's you. And that's me. Through the power and through the authority of the name of Jesus. Jesus went around preaching the kingdom. Luke 4.43 says, He said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Luke 9.11, And the people, when they knew it, followed Him, and He received them, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, and healed them that had need of healing. Here's another example. They kind of combine everything into one verse. Mark 1.14 and 15. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Matthew 4.17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John 3 and 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. So he went around preaching the kingdom. He did that a very specific way. Kind of lumped everything together. Kind of did all of it. The whole thing was, was part of a whole. 
These things, all of these things that Jesus did, demonstrated to the people of Israel that He was indeed the Messiah that was promised to come. The Messiah that was prophesied all the way back in Genesis 3.15. These things qualified Him, demonstrated to them that He was indeed this Messiah. Matthew 11.3-6 states this, And said unto Him, Art thou He that should come? Or do we look for another? This is John the Baptist in prison, sending one of his, a couple of his disciples to Jesus. Because he was now in doubt. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? He was wanting some assurance here. He was wanting a verification, perhaps, that he was indeed the Messiah. That he hadn't made a mistake. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. This is what they were to report to John demonstrating that He was indeed the Messiah. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have the Gospel preached to them. And blessed is He, whosoever shall not be offended in Me. These are the things that qualified Him to say, I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. I am your Savior. I am God manifest in the flesh. These are the assurances that he sent back with John's disciples. Tell him what you see and hear, that these things are taking place. Tell him that he wasn't mistaken. I am who he said I was. And if we are to demonstrate him to this world, if we are to properly and adequately reflect his image to this world, We've got to be about the same thing, folks. But it's not just a conscious choice you can make. I'm just going to wake up one day and decide I'm going to, I'm going to get into a healing ministry. That's not how it works. Again, it's not you. It's God through you. Having said that, Jesus commands us to do the same. John 14 and 12 gives us this promise. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall ye do, because I go unto My Father. Now, greater works, oftentimes I've heard, and I think is true, means that we're going to see people receive the Holy Ghost. We're going to see people come into the kingdom of God. That's absolutely true. God will use us to bring someone to a place of repentance. Absolutely. But it means more than that. It means greater works than these shall ye do. Whatever Jesus did, we're going to do the same. And more. And more. We struggle with just getting to this point, don't we? But Jesus said, that's the bare minimum. At the very least, we should be doing everything He did according to the will of God. 
Again, I'm not saying that this is us. This is God working through us. But God desires to work through us. Just like He did through Jesus. And that resistance that you have right now, that struggle you have in your, in your mind right now, that's what we're going to try to chip away at this year. We're going to try to, to help all of us understand that this is for you. This is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for me. We've got to accept that, folks. God doesn't want us accepting some second-rate position, some subpar, uh, He built you, He created you for so much more, so much more than second-best, second-rate. He created in you the very best He has to offer, the very best. You may not see it when you look in the mirror. I'll grant you that. But in here, God has given us His absolute best. And He wants us to go out and use that for His glory. For His purpose. Alright. So that's the bare minimum. Matthew 10 and verse 1 says this, When He had called unto Him His twelve disciples, He gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. The two big things that we really struggle with. It says Jesus gave them power over these things. Has Jesus given you power over these things? I know the answer, but I don't want to say it. <laughs> then I'll say it. Yes! He has given you power. He has given you authority over sickness, disease, devils, demons, all of that. Through Him. We don't have it of ourselves. He has given it to us. He has delegated that to us. Matthew 10, 5 and 6 says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And commanded them. He didn't ask them. He didn't politely request that they do this. If it's not too much trouble, would you please? He commanded them. It's His place to command. And when Jesus commands us to do something, He will, with that command, give us the ability to do it. He's not going to tell us to do something that we absolutely, it's impossible for us to do. He also told them, where they were to go. It's not part of our message tonight, but that's okay for God to do also. If He tells me where I need to go, and when I need to go there, and what I need to do when I get there, that's His purview, not mine. 
Our steps need to be ordered of the Lord. It is not in me to direct my steps. I don't know the right way. God does. Starting with verse 7. And as ye go, this is still part of the command. And as ye go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely ye have received. Freely give. We see four things here. We are to preach the kingdom of God. We are to heal the sick. And when I say we, God through us. You understand that. We are to be used of God to raise the dead. And we are to be used of God to cast out devils. This is all part of our commission. Now, I'm not even standing up here saying He's going to do it every single time. I'm not even saying that. Not yet. But I am saying we're commanded to go out and do this. Someone needs a healing, we need to pray for them. We shouldn't be afraid to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. We shouldn't be afraid to go up to someone at the cafeteria, out on the street, and lay a big fat hand on them and pray. Because if we don't pray, God's not going to do anything. If we do pray, what if God works through that? What if it's God's desire to do a miracle right there and then? Imagine. Imagine being this person. Not the, not the person we are right now, tonight. But imagine being the person God created us to be. Living in continual spiritual victory. I'm not saying we're not going to have bad days. Jesus had bad days. The Bible says He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Because He went through them Himself. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus was the most spiritual guy I know. And he had bad days. He literally was Christ-like. And he had bad days. So will we. However, in the midst of the worst day, we can live and walk in victory. We can experience joy. We can experience peace. The circumstance and situation out here doesn't need to affect this in here. It doesn't. The only way it can is if I let this in. That's it. Then that's on me. But I can make a different choice. It stays out there. It doesn't affect me. I'm living for Jesus Christ. I'm walking in victory. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what's going on here. But here's what I do know. 
Jesus loves me. I'm here because of His will. And I trust Him. This is going to work out for His glory and my benefit. Every single time, even if it ends in my death, I win. Imagine being a person like that, unaffected by these things, living in power and authority of the Holy Ghost, living fearlessly, living boldly, not afraid to speak up, not afraid to proclaim the Gospel of Jesus Christ, not arrogantly, not ramming it down people's throat, but in love. In love. Putting truth out there. Imagine being the, the, the person doing the things that Jesus did. God working through you that powerfully. You know, we get this idea. We hear about... Who, who here has heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay, who has heard of E.M. Bounds? How about uh, T.W. Barnes? Okay, uh, Lee Stone King. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We, we hear about people like this. People who are used mightily in, uh, in miracles and signs. And, and E.M. Bounds prayed four to six hours a day and, and massive amounts of, of uh, answered prayer, faith. Um, Mueller, George Mueller, mightily used of God. We, we read these stories, these accounts. Uh, Azusa Street, good grief. It's like non-stop miracles for, for years. Every day, every hour, there was something going on there. 24 hours a day, it was non-stop. God was doing things, miracles, through just whoever was there. You didn't have to be a licensed minister. You didn't have to be a uh, pray 26 hours a day and fast nine days a week to, to see God do anything. It just, people believed God. People were submitted to God. And God used that. We read stories like that. We hear accounts. I'm just speaking from, for myself. I see those great men. And they're way up there. And I'm way down here. I could never... I could never be great like that guy. I could never be spiritual like that. That guy, is so, he's got to be so spiritual. He's got to be so close to God. I'm just, I'm just a guy. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be like that. Why would God use me like that? Well, I'll tell you the answer to that one. Because He created you to be used like that. He created you to do great things. Great spiritual things. The miraculous. The supernatural. He wants to do that through each and every one of us. Not just, not just these great men. Not just Lee Stone King. Everything Lee Stone King did, God could do just as easily through you. And He wants to. One of the issues we face 
We've said it before, and we'll probably say it multiple times, is knowing who we are in God. We have got to have a good understanding, a biblical understanding of who we are in Christ. We are not who we used to be. I know the distinction is sometimes difficult to make because nothing out here really changed. All the change we experience is primarily in here. We can't see that. But we are not the people we used to be. We are kings and priests. We are sons and daughters of the Almighty. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. He's given us spiritual dominion in this world. And He's commissioned us with power and authority to advance His kingdom. He's commissioned us to take it by force. That means spiritual warfare. Warfare praying, fasting, possessing and appropriating the promises of God by faith. Understanding that we are conquering warriors through Him. We're not scared little children hiding behind our covers because the boogeyman is coming out at night. That's not who we are in Christ. We have authority, continuing the weird analogy, over the boogeyman. The boogeyman really should be cowering and and scared of you. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? That should never be said of a child of God. The enemy ought to know you by name. We ought to be proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every principality and power while simultaneously declaring His Lordship over us. He's on the throne. He's in charge. We're claiming this city, this county, this state, this country, this world for Jesus Christ. There's no reason to think small. None whatsoever. This is God's perfect will for each and every one of us. But He cannot bring this, He can't bring us to this place without our express consent. He's not going to force us to go there. He won't. He needs our permission. He needs our consent. Yes, that's where I want to go. Yes, that is who I want to be. I want to be that person. I want to be that victorious person. I want to be that person that you're using mightily. Maybe you've heard messages like this before. Maybe God has tried to tell you this before. I don't know how many times He's told me this. And I would not. I could not. I couldn't accept it. 
couldn't believe it. No way. Them, yeah, sure, but me? How? Why? Again, folks, the tool isn't important. God's going to pick up whatever tool is at hand. Let's be at hand. Let's make ourselves available. I want to be used of God. I want Him to transform me into the person that He created me to be. Amen. Ryan, is that thing working? Yes? No? Oh, don't put it up yet. I have a semi-sort uh, video to show in conclusion, if it works. Um, it's a little weird. Uh a little different way to end the service. I'll admit that. And the first few minutes are going to seem, what does this have to do with anything? But just bear with it. Watch it all the way through. It's a VeggieTales thing. And it has affected me powerfully. I've watched it I don't know how many times. And it, the message goes perfectly with this. I couldn't help but show it here. Uh, just watch it. Uh, watch it prayerfully. Let God speak to you through it. Amen. Ryan. If it works. It's got to work after that great introduction. Does it work? No? Maybe? Go ahead and try it. Well, if not, well, anyway, while they're working on that, let me say this. When we start thinking about who God wants us to be, who God created us to be, we've got to understand that these promises are not for them. The promises are not for the body of Christ in general. He didn't die for the world in general. He died for individuals. He died for you. He suffered on a cross for you. He wrapped Himself in flesh, stepped off of His throne of glory for you. We've got to understand what He's done for us. If we can start believing that, maybe we can start accepting who He has created us to be in Him. That's not where we started. But that is who we are at present. Just accept it. Accept the fact that God loves you so much that He wants to use you in this capacity. Accept the fact that He loves you so much that He's adopted you as a son, as a daughter. He's given you His name in water baptism. And He desires to use you so powerfully. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1-4 through 4 says this, 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the same, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. There are all kinds of things that get in the way of what God wants us to do, more importantly for our purposes, of who God wants us to become. The enemy most certainly does not want you to get a hold of this. The enemy most certainly doesn't want you to assume your rightful place in the kingdom of God. Your rightful place. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it when you came to the Lord. But it is your place now. It is given to you by Jesus Christ. It is your rightful place. Assume it. Start walking in that position. Amen. Don't think about deserving it. Don't think about working yourself up to it. It's given to you of God. It is your rightful place in the kingdom of God. So lay aside those thoughts that you're not worthy. Lay aside those thoughts that you can't possibly mean me. Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know who I was before? Please understand what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what you were before. I, I get what you're saying. I'm not making light of things that you might may have done or may not have done. But it doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. God has forgotten them. They're under the blood. They're under the blood. You're the only one that remembers them. God doesn't. Don't remind them. Satan's going to remind you. That doesn't, that doesn't matter to God. God still doesn't remember. So you don't need to either. Yes, you were a dirty, rotten sinner. So was I. But you're not now. You're a child of God. With all the rights and privileges that are assigned to that position. Accept that. Start walking in that. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we need to do two things. We need to lay aside all the weights and the sins which doth so easily beset us. We're good? Okay, we're going to go probably a good five minutes after. Is that going to be all right with everyone? Okay. Okay. Roll film. <laughs>